one of the things that I've thought quite a bit about seemed like uh, over the over the last several days. Maybe it just it keeps coming up when I'm when I'm reading scripture and looking at some different things is uh, is looking at who we are in Christ. And uh, you know, I think it's important for us to know who we are in Christ and what the, what blessings we have uh, in Him, and uh, then operate on that on that line of thinking. I guess a little bit more as as far as how we live and what we think. It's uh, if we don't realize that we are in Christ for one thing, and that we we have blessings that come from being in Christ, then we won't live like. We're in Christ, and uh, it's it's important for us, I think, to understand and know that principle. One thing that I've tripped across, if you want to call it that, in studying the Word of God, and we'll try to look at some of that maybe this morning a little bit as as we do this, is is just realizing that the Bible talks uh, in the New Testament, uh, particularly the the Apostle Paul talks on several different occasions and talks about this fact that. We're, that we are in Christ and that because of that we have blessings in Christ. It also talks about when we die because we're in Christ, we'll be raised up uh, to, be, to be with Christ in, in, in his actual presence. And in, that, in the course of that, it sort of gives a hint to me, and we'll try, maybe we'll look at some of that this morning, is the fact that you know a lot of times we live so much of our lives here in this world you know, whether I mean, and, and I know, I know we have to. You know, as far as the work and the things that we do, but we get so focused on the natural life uh, that we forget that the real, our real life is not our natural life. If that makes any sense to you, our, our real life is who we are in Christ Jesus. It's the it's the born again man of God who will not spend his life here, but spend his life in eternity. That's the real you. Uh, and so if we can look at some of that just a little while this morning, it's going to, ca- it's going to cause me to go to some places, uh, in scripture that are very familiar, you know, almost sometimes, you, uh, you know, a primitive Baptist sometimes almost, uh, will apologize like I'm about to almost do. Uh, you'll almost apologize if you go back to the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, you know, more than once in the course of a couple of months. Uh, but Hey, it's power packed with some things that uh, that help us, and it tells us in there again some things about who we are in Christ. and uh, And if we don't know that, I- I'm afraid we just mi- there's a whole picture we miss about uh, uh, who we are. And I think that's one of the things that gives us hope beyond living here is the fact that this world is not our home. Uh, and so uh, I may, uh, during the course of this, there, I know there was a portion of Scripture that was quoted uh, in the prayer, uh, and we may turn back over there and look at that because th- there's a phraseology that's used uh, uh, again over and over uh, in Scripture. And the Apostle Paul, I'm going to turn there first. I'm going to turn to the 17th chapter of the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul on the uh, uh, was at uh, Mars Hill. Uh, in Athens, uh, Athens, Georgia. Listen, but Athens, Athens, Greece. Boom! Where did that come from? Uh, so he was at uh, Mars Hill, and and there there were many men speaking. There were, you know, it was the place where all the the people of the town, the supposedly wise and sage people, met together, and they all had something to say. Uh, and they were, you know, and so they see this stranger, you know, hey, give him an opportunity to say something as well. And 
the apostle Paul looks at looks at these folks there and says, uh, uh, as he looks at this, he said, for verse twenty, he says, "For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, that we should know therefore what these things mean." For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So they, you know, hey, this guy, the Apostle Paul had shown up in their presence and they had heard some things he had said. And uh, they said, you know, they spent all their time wanting to hear and tell something new all the time. Uh, so the Apostle Paul, as he says, for as I, uh, when Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill, he said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. Uh, part of, he'd listened to what they were saying. Uh, and he had listened to them talk about all their false gods uh, that were scattered out. They had one there on the hillside probably for just about everything and anything that you could think of uh, because the Greeks had a god for everything. And uh, uh, they had a god for speed, a god for fire, a god for, for thunder and lightning. They had a god for everything that was out there. And as Paul looked at all the gods they had upon the hills, and one of the things that had been noted uh, about Mars Hill was as as the, uh, the Grecian Greeks had gone out and captured other uh, other nations, they brought their gods back to to Athens and put them on Mars Hill. You know, they had just a collection of everything around there. Uh, and as Paul was going uh, there, speaking to these folks, he says, "For as I pass by, he said, I perceive in all things you're too superstitious." Verse twenty-two, Acts seventeen. For I pass by and I beheld your devotions, and and fa- I found an altar with this inscription. To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So uh, as the Apostle Paul is, is walking through this, he finds a, a God that's labeled to the unknown God. They were, they were so superstitious that they were afraid that they would leave a God out. And so they had created one that was to the unknown, just in case we've missed anything. You know, we want to make sure we've got all the bases covered for all the gods that are out there. So now they've got one to the unknown God. And Paul comes up and he says, this God that you don't know, that's the one I want to declare to you in your hearing. God that made the world and all things therein. They didn't need it. This this God, uh, Jehovah God, Christ, Jesus Christ, and God the Father, this God that Paul's about to teach to them, we, we don't need a God for the sun. We don't need a God for the moon. We don't need a God for uh, the wind, a God for the rain, a God for the, uh, the fire, a God for the oceans. We don't need all of these types of gods. Uh, why? Because this God, Jehovah God, uh, he's the one that made the world and all things therein. And seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, uh, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed any anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell for on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitations. Now, so he, he gives us even one other thing. Not only is he the God uh, that created heaven and earth, uh, he, he's, he's a God that can't dwell in temples. You're, you've all seen the pictures of Athens. Uh, they had temples for this God and temples for this God. He says, this God's not a God that dwells in temples of man, made with man's hands. Uh, neither is he worshipped uh, in this way. Uh, and he 
he's made of one blood all nations. Uh, we don't need a God for the Greeks and a God for the Romans and a God for uh, the Persians and a God for the Babylonians and a God for the Egyptians. He hath made of one blood all people. I'll tell you, let me, let me pitch this in there. And one, we don't need a separate God for the Jews either, by the way. Uh, it's one God for all peoples uh, because he is the God of heaven and earth. And he says, uh, he hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed. He's determined the times, whether it was the time that Jesus Christ came and he knows the beginning from the end. He's appointed the times and seasons and the bounds of their habitations that they should seek the Lord if haply they should feel after him and find him, though he not uh, be not far afar from every one of us. So uh, <clears throat> you might be searching, 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 but God's not very far away. Uh, even right now, uh, he's right here in our presence this morning. And when we don't feel his presence, uh, it's not because he's not near. It's because we've, we have drawn away uh, uh, from our God. So he's, uh, he's telling us and telling these people here at Greece, uh, uh, at Athens, Greece, uh, he's saying, you, uh, this unknown God, this is the one I want you to now know. He's not a God of the sun and a God of the moon and a God of fire and a God of rain and a God of all these things. He is the God of heaven and earth. He's made all things. He's appointed times and set bounds. He's appointed the bounds of our habitation. And he said, if you should, uh, that they should seek the Lord. He says, for in him. Here's, it doesn't say in Christ, but it's, uh, it's close enough. In him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your poets have said, for we also are his, uh, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think uh, that the Godhead is like to gold or to silver or, or stone or graven by, uh, graven by art or man's device and so forth. And he talks about the time, these times God has winked at in times past, but now uh, he's presented himself to us. Uh, uh, he at the point of the day in which uh, he will judge the world and so forth. And that, that time is coming. Uh, he'll be judged, the world will be judged in Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh, those of us who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I can thank, uh, thank God uh, uh, that we'll be secure uh, because uh, God has chosen us in Christ. So as we look at this, one of the things we can think about this morning is the fact that uh, in Him we live and move and have our being. So one of the things, our very life, and I'll say this, our natural life, the Bible says the fruit of the womb is the gift of the Lord. And so our natural life, uh, uh, in Him we live and move. Uh, but I'm going to tell you even more than that in our spiritual life, uh, our born again, the born again child of God uh, that lives here, in Him we live and move and have our being. The very best that you and I can do uh, uh, here uh, is, is looking unto Him, the author and finisher of our faith. So there's something else that we have in Him. He is the author and finisher of the faith that you and I have uh, in this old life. So in Ephesians, uh, as we look over there to that this morning, uh, he tells us in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, uh, as the Apostle Paul is writing to these uh, brethren here at this place, 
And he tell, and and as we've talked about this in times past, you know, the Apostle Paul was so uh, wonderful and gracious and kind and writing letters and uh, not that he didn't sometimes chastise people, uh, but he he would send a salutation like none other to people out there as he was writing them a letter. Uh, and as I look around at how we do these days, writing a letter is becoming a lost art. Uh, uh, but uh, he tells us here in this place that he, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus. So he, he tells us more than just a little bit. Uh, you know, he tells us right here in this opening uh verse of the first chapter of the book of Ephesians that he's not an apostle because one day he decided he wanted to be an apostle and we could turn back over to the uh, to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts and we could see very clearly uh, Paul did not have his mind uh, on set on becoming an apostle of Jesus Christ uh, uh, much like that song that we sang there earlier by brother Tim McCool he had letters uh, bent on destruction of the church uh, going up to Damascus that day uh, uh, and as uh, as he was on that road God struck him down on that road with a light shining from heaven uh, and blinding him there so that uh, he wasn't even able to continue on his own on the journey without men carrying him and guiding him uh, up to uh, to uh, Ananias' house in Damascus. So uh, as, we, uh, as we look at the things that are, are written here, Paul confesses that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and he's writing to the saints which are to Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's... If I just uh, if I read the first part of that and said, well, this is to the saints at Ephesus, all of you could dial out, turn off, and say, well, it's not. This is not to me, uh, but this is also to the faithful that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, and so, uh, uh, notice that uh, he says that phrase to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Uh, and then, uh, uh, so one of the things that we need to know, I think, as we look at this this morning. Uh, we're going to see here that we were chosen in Christ. Uh, we're going to find that we've been baptized in Christ. We're going to find that we're risen in Christ. Uh, and uh, so the question is, how did you get to be in Christ? Uh, and I think that's uh, the question that will be answered here as we look at this opening portion of this letter. He says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So uh, as we look at this morning, if you, if you look around at yourself and you say, well, you know what, uh, I can say I've truly been blessed, not just naturally, but spiritually. Uh, and, and I would look out at each one of us this morning and say, do you know that you have a Savior? And I'm looking at a group of folks this morning that I know generally uh, uh, know that, uh, that not only do you need a Savior, but you have a Savior. And, uh, and if you know that this morning, you're blessed. There's a lot of people in this world, one, don't know they have it uh, and don't know they need it uh, this morning. And so as we look at, at our, examine ourselves spiritually, and let me, uh, let me add in this. Have you ever rejoiced just hearing the Word of God? Have you rejoiced hearing what Christ has done for you? Uh, have you rejoiced uh, just uh, uh, knowing uh, and reading about the journeys that Christ went on, the people that He healed, the things that He said, uh, the things that were promised in the Old Testament? That the pro If you've rejoiced in these things, you've been spiritually blessed. Uh, and He tells us that our spiritual blessings are in heavenly places. 
in Christ Jesus. So, so all of the blessings that we have flow forth from Him. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? If we think about it, you say, I need spiritual food. Well, in the Old Testament, we've been reading, uh, as Brother Adam has been going on Wednesday nights and talking through the book of Exodus, and it describes over there uh, of the manna that God gave them while they journeyed in, in the wilderness. Uh, that because they got out there and they, they did, there was no food, God provided them food. Every morning they would go out and there would be these little white wafers, if you want to call it, this little light bread that was sitting out there uh, fresh with the, coming with the morning dew. And they were to go out and gather daily what they needed to eat that day. And on the, on the, uh, on the sixth day, he would provide enough for both the sixth day and the seventh day because there was to be no gathering on the Sabbath day for food. But God provided them daily bread. <clears throat> if you've experienced spiritual blessing, well, let, let's go back to, to this. So, so that bread, Jesus said, for one thing, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Uh, and it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't Moses that gave them that bread in the wilderness. But it was God the Father that gave them that bread. And that bread uh, was no doubt in my mind, that bread was none other than the blessings of Jesus Christ poured out for them there in the wilderness to feed them and sustain them. And in that blessing that we look back that those children of Israel had as they wandered in the wilderness, we have a picture, if you will, of the daily provision we need spiritually right here while we're living in this old world. You know, as we pray, and I know I'm rambling just a little bit on this, but just think about this. Uh, when, the, when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. How should we pray? And he gave them that, uh, uh, what I call the model prayer, is uh, that they were to pray. He says, uh, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Glorifying God to start with, uh, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, you know, one of the things that we ought to be praying for every day is, God, give me a, give me a glimpse of you today. Give me a glimpse spiritually of, uh, of the food, the nourishment that I need because I need spiritually strengthened. It doesn't matter whether, it's, uh, whether you're my age or, or, or whether you're the youngest one here in the congregation. Uh, maybe even more so sometimes uh, uh, all of us. Uh, but I think about Brother Brody and them going to school. Yeah, you know what? Uh, opening up every day and saying... Give me this day, thy daily bread. I need spiritual strength today because I've got to go to school. I'm going to be challenged today. There's going to be young folks out there with all kinds of ideas, all kinds of thoughts, contrary to the teaching of the Word of God. And they're going to be challenging you to do things and say things and think things that are contrary to the work. But the same thing happens to those of us at work. Uh, today we need our spiritual strength. There maybe for those of us that stay at home, uh, maybe our minds wander off to things that they shouldn't be wandering off to. Or maybe we turn on the TV and we see the news, uh, which confuses us. So we need to be praying daily, uh, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me strength for today. Give me spiritual food for today. Uh, and that, that ought to be our prayer as we go forward. And, and, and Paul tells the children of, uh, of God here at Ephesus, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places 
in Christ. And you begin to get a picture more and more that the, the blessings that we have, I'm telling you, they're flowing from Christ Jesus, our Lord. They're in Christ. Our blessings come from Him. Our, uh, you know, not only does our, our, our spiritual life come from, to us because of the Holy Spirit and because of His death on the cross, but the blessings we get here this side of glory uh, are pouring forth from Him. And, uh, and when we do get to glory, it's all going to be because of Him. So all of our spiritual blessings are, are in heavenly places in Christ according or in accord with as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. If, you, if we, if I, if someone, if you can get most people to read this verse and really read it uh, and see what it says, that before the world ever began, we were chosen in Christ, uh, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Before the world ever began, God made a choice. Uh, today we hear so much about, about uh, uh, you know, uh, not drag down this trail too hard. It's my body, I have a choice, right? Uh, well, yes, you do you need to make that at the right time and appropriately uh, uh, and, and make it a choice. But God made a choice. And before the world ever was, God chose a people in Christ Jesus that they should be holy and without blame. Uh, that holiness, uh, uh, you know, the Bible tells us, be ye holy as he is holy. Uh, well, that may, that's a, a commandment for us while we live here to live a, a more godly life. That we're to, we're to look at him, see uh, how sinless he is, and we're to be more holy because he is holy and try to live that kind of life. But not only that, we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be and would be holy and without blame before him in love. Uh, to, to get a grasp of that, that, te- that one verse tells us that we were chosen in Christ... And because we're in Christ, we're going to continue to be in Christ. There's a whole thing around that. But that we would be holy. One day, my friends, you're going to be totally sinless and without blame before Him in love. In fact, I'll tell you, you're without, you're, you're, you're without blame before Him in love right now. Uh, there's no one can lay a charge to a single thing against you. That's uh, back over in Romans 8. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Uh, who can make like, blame to you and say, you know what? I believe I found a sin that wasn't covered. I believe I found one that's not going to quite get there. Uh, I even like to say and, and remind people, uh, in spite of what seems to be taught in the world so much today in the, in the, in the Christian world, I want to tell you, Christ even died for the sin of unbelief. Uh, whatever, whatever our sins might be, uh, uh, there's not a sin. Uh, if you were chosen in Christ by God the Father before the foundation of the world, there's not a sin of yours that He didn't die for, whether it be unbelief, uh, uh, or whatever else might come along in our lives. And and as we try to remind people, uh, just because we were chosen and just because Christ died for sins, it doesn't mean that we should continue in sin, that God's grace may abound, okay? So we're to turn from sin, and that's what the whole counsel of the Bible tells us over and over and over again. But he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ 
according or in accord with the fact that he has chosen us in him before the, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So uh, the reason we're going to be there is because he loved us. The reason we're going to be without blame is because his blood covered the uh, the sin debt that you and I had. Uh, and, the, and the reason we're going to be holy is because his righteousness has been placed in us and substituted for all of our unrighteousnesses uh, and even our righteousnesses which are as filthy rags. Uh, Christ Jesus uh, filled us up, my friends, with his righteousness uh, so that we might be in his presence one day. And he did this having predestinated us to the adoption of children. Uh, God determined beforehand that you and I would be adopted into His family. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, you know, t- today when I, when I think, and I know that there, there are a lot of people that have a lot of love in their hearts and they adopt uh, children that are, are not theirs naturally. Uh, and, and they show them the... the uh, if they're the right kind of parent, or maybe I should add that in, if they're the right kind of parent who have adopted them for the right reason, they show them love that would be just like they're their, their, their own child. Uh, and they care for them and, and do for them. But I, I think in the uh, adoption that we have here that's laid out in scriptures, uh, uh, God predestinated us to be adopted uh, uh, as children by Jesus Christ to himself He's the one that did the adopting, uh, paid the price that was necessary for us to be adopted into his family. And he did this, the Bible says, according to the good pleasure of his will. Why did, so if somebody ever asked, well, why in the world would God adopt me? You know, more than likely they're not going to do that. They're going to say, why would he adopt you? <laughs> but, but if you ever asked, why would he adopt me? He did it according to the good pleasure of his will. Because God, it pleased God to do so. And I, there's so many pictures here in the, in the scripture of the fact that, one, he adopted us as his children. Secondly, uh, he adopted us uh, uh, and, and bought us to be the bride for his son uh, that his son was going to die for. There's a whole other picture uh, uh, that we can lay out in scriptures. Uh, uh, but he tells us uh, he predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, the Bible tells us, and y'all have heard this said so many times, and you, and you probably no doubt wonder over and over again, you know, well, what does this mean? What does this mean in some sense? Uh, but the Bible tells us that when Christ came here into the world, Christ fulfilled the law to a jot and to a tittle. Uh, he he the, the the smallest part of punctuation to the, to, the, to the largest part of punctuation, or whatever you might want to say, God, uh, Christ came and fulfilled the law in totality while he was here. That means uh, uh, every time he needed to be present as a young man to go to, uh, to uh, uh, a Sabbath or a feast at the temple, he was there. Every time he was supposed to celebrate and keep the Sabbath holy, he did that. Every time he was supposed to be washed. Uh, you know, one of the things that we think about, the cleansing uh, that uh, uh, the priest had to take place. And we've been looking at some of that over there in Exodus and marveling uh, as we look at this at all the detail that God went into to say, here's how the tabernacle's to be built. And it's supposed to be built this way and this design and this thing. And the priesthood's supposed to wear these clothes. And before the priest could put on the clothes, they're supposed to wash. And they're supposed to do this and all those things. Uh, yet as we find in Jesus Christ, who was our great high priest, 
Jesus Christ came and at the age of 30. He went and presented himself to John the Baptist, who was the son of a Levitical priest, by the way, Zechariah, uh, went and presented himself to the son of a Levitical priest uh, out in the wilderness. And out there in the wilderness, John had uh, Jesus Christ presented himself to be baptized. Uh, the first order of business as he began to go was to go and to have himself uh, ceremonially washed, if you will. Uh, laid down in that water, raised up, and now he could begin his ministry, and he could go forth and teach uh, as a uh, as a, as the one who was fulfilling the law to a jot and to a tittle. He did that, my friends, in everything that he did. And not only that, as we think about one of the laws that's laid out over in the Old Testament scriptures is is the laws of redemption. If a man had gotten himself into debt, uh, one of the things that he had to do was, uh, uh, you know, to be redeemed. Uh, if he didn't have the price to pay it, then he had to continue to serve the one that he was in debt to. But a near kinsman could come and pay the debt uh, uh, and and buy them back and purchase Purchase them back out of this debt to, uh, for to, to redeem them. And the, and the best place to read about this and to, to study this is to go over and read the book of Ruth sometime and look at how Ruth was redeemed there by Boaz. And there was a, near, a nearer kinsman uh, to them and to that family uh, than Boaz, but he refused to pay the price. Uh, for whatever reason. So Boaz then is the next near kinsman that had the price to redeem Ruth uh, and Naomi, her mother-in-law, and purchase back for them the land uh, that was necessary to redeem them from their debts uh, uh, was Boaz. Uh, and you think about this. I don't want to go too far down that trail, I don't guess, and, and, and staying with what, what my theme this morning, but looking at some things. But uh, as we look at, at Naomi and Ruth over there, Naomi, and, uh, Naomi had gone uh, with her husband to a far country, and there the sons had married daughters, one of whom was Ruth. And during this time, they had left behind their land uh, and, and left behind their land, and others had come in and occupied the land. More than likely, Boaz is one of the ones that had taken up their land uh, and began to farm and to provide on that, on that land. So while Naomi's away with her husband, her husband dies. And then both of her sons die who are married to married these young ladies. And Naomi and Ruth, uh, the daughter-in-law, then come back to Bethlehem to live there. Uh, but they have no land. And not only do they have no land, they have no men to provide for them. And so they began, she, Ruth begins to go into glean in the fields of Boaz. And you know the story of that. Uh, and finally, Boaz redeems her and, and, and buys her back as that near kinsman. But the laws of redemption teach us that the near kinsman that has the price to pay is the one that, uh, uh, according to the law, should redeem the one that's under debt, okay? We were adopted into the family of Christ Jesus. It was predestinated. That we, that we would be to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. And now we have a near kinsman uh, that had the price. Uh, in fact, there was only one near kinsman that had the price. And unlike the story of uh, in Ruth, uh, in the book of Ruth over there, we didn't have a near kinsman that said, no, don't think I'm going to do it uh, and pa try to pass the buck to someone else. He was the only one that had the price of the blood that was necessary to purchase us and redeem us. And Christ fulfilled the law. 
to a jot and a tittle, and he came and redeemed us and purchased us and bought us, my friends, by his blood on the cross, uh, uh, which he, uh, which he, uh, as high priest then, he went and sprinkled uh, uh, upon the, the holy, in the holy of holies, uh, on the mercy seat for you and me. I mean, you get the picture of this whole thing that's just carried out and played out throughout the uh, scriptures and times, and he tells us here that he was, that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy uh, without sin and without blame, without anyone that can make accusation uh, before him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And, uh, and I, I put the and in there if you're reading along with me, and to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein, in the grace... Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. It's God's grace and it's to the praise of the glory of his grace because God didn't have to do a thing. He was not under obligation, my friend, to purchase a single one, to redeem a single one, to predestinate a single one. Uh, But God chose before the foundation of the world, uh, before Adam and Eve ever uh, transgressed the laws of God, uh, before this ever occurred, God chose a people in Christ Jesus to redeem and to purchase. Uh, And the beautiful part of this story uh, uh, is uh, if uh, I believe believe today, and I'm just saying this is... Uh, as kindly as I know how. You will not find this taught many other places than in the Primitive Baptist Church. Maybe no other place. Uh, But you won't find this taught much outside of these type walls. Might be some independent Baptists out there that teach some of the same types of things and very close to the same things. There are some out there that believe these things. But I can tell you this... uh, uh, it's, if it was, if we were the only ones that were going to be in heaven, uh, I think it would be a sad day. Uh, but I can read over in Scripture, my friends, uh, where God has a people out of every kindred, nation, tongue, tribe, and people on the face of the earth, but they number as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. And so... Uh, I thank God He chose us, and He chose us in Christ before the, that we should be to the praise of His glory, wherein He hath made us accepted in the blood, in whom we have redemption. You know, I talk about the laws of redemption, and then suddenly, and then Paul comes right here and says, in whom we have redemption, talking about in Christ, uh, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. In case you didn't know, I, don't you love the way, if you're reading along with me, I hope, you're, I hope you are uh, as you look at this. If you don't understand what redemption is or, or how it was accomplished, uh, he tells us, in whom, talking about in Christ, in whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, if you didn't know what it accomplished, uh, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. God did this all because, my friends, he loved us and because he's gracious and merciful. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. God, God purposed it all in himself. Uh, it wasn't outside of himself. It was all inside the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He had the purpose for all of these things. He purposed it in himself, 
and it's he that fulfills it all to a jot and to a tittle. So uh, we'll, we'll somewhat summarize, not that I'm quite done yet, uh, but summarize this thought. He said he purposed it all in himself. Well, how, would, how did that purpose work out? Well, it worked out that before the beginning of the world, before the foundation of the world, God chose us in, uh, in Christ. Then as we come along about four centuries after the creation of the world, uh, we find a, a man by the name of Jesus Christ coming and walking this old earth uh, and cru- being crucified and died on the cross and shedding his blood to purchase or redeem those that the Father chose before the foundation of the world. And because God had faith in his Son... Uh, and believed uh, that Jesus Christ and knew that Jesus Christ was going to accomplish exactly uh, uh, what the Father gave him to accomplish upon the cross. By faith, even before Christ came, there were men being born of the Spirit of God uh, by the faithfulness of God and afterwards uh, uh, being born again by the work of the Holy Spirit who has worked and brought about uh, new birth all down through the ages of time. So he purposed this in himself, and he fulfilled it in himself. He says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all prudence and wisdom, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. I'm going to say the mystery of the will is two different things, at least two different things. One, one mystery is the fact that salvation was going to come through a Messiah, who is going to be the Son of God, who is foretold all down through the ages, but not quite... Uh, it wasn't like somewhere over there along the way he says, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to send my son, uh, but there was pictures of it all down through the ages, all through the Old Testament worship, all through the prophets, all, and there was a mystery. And, and they were delving at it all the time. They knew that there was a prophecy that a Messiah was going to come. That unto us a child is born. Unto us a, a son is given. They had seen all these prophecies, prophecies that had been given. But it was still a great mystery to them exactly what he was going to accomplish. And in fact, uh, as, the, as the prophecies had proclaimed that he was going to come and establish his kingdom, they were looking for the son of David, to come and sit on a throne in Jerusalem and reign over a physical kingdom just like David had done in his days, just like Solomon had done in his days. That's what they were looking for. But it was a great mystery what he was actually coming to accomplish. He was coming to accomplish the will of the Father in establishing a kingdom uh, by the redemption of his children and the purchase of them on the cross. In fact... They had seen the pictures over there in the Old Testament of the ones of the man coming riding on the white horse. Uh, uh, But they had mentioned, uh, uh, maybe had missed the uh, uh, prophecy of the one that was going to come on the fold, uh, the colt of an ass, uh, uh, riding up into Jerusalem, uh, victorious on that day, uh, going toward the cross, going toward death. Uh, not going towards sitting on a, a throne in Jerusalem. Uh, and so uh, he says, He's made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. He, he made known unto us and revealed to us by the coming of His Son what He had had in, had in mind all along. He, it wasn't like He made up a new plan uh, when Adam and Eve transgressed the laws of God. God knew exactly what he was going to do before the foundation of the world. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. But he revealed the mystery to us, which he had purposed in himself. He revealed it when when his son came (coughs) and he preached here upon this earth for three and a half years. 
and sent his apostles out after that saying, go spread the good news of what's been accomplished here. So he says, let's read, you know, you pause on these verses to explain verses. Then you have to go back and reread the verses to make the next one make sense, right? So he says uh, that he has abounded to us, uh, abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. I'll emphasize that, uh, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in he- both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So there's going to come a time this, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, uh, just like he came at the fullness of time when he died upon the cross, He's going to come again at the fullness of time. Whatever that dispensation of time is, uh, He's going to come at the fullness of time. He's going to gather together in one all things that are in Christ, uh, uh, which are on in heaven and in earth, uh, even in Him. He's going to gather all these things together. If we turn this morning uh, and pause uh, just long enough to turn over to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, uh, a portion of Scripture that should be familiar to all of you, uh, we find over here, talking about his second coming. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, For we believe that Jesus, verse 14 of First Thessalonians 4, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Where, where are the ones that are, have gone to sleep today? And when I say gone to sleep, I don't mean any of you that are napping out here this morning. Uh, when those of us who have died... Those who, who before us have died, uh, I think about those of us of our parents and our grandparents uh, uh, that we know right here. Uh, God, God-loving, God-cherished people. And their bodies have been laid down. But they're still alive. Where are they? Soul and spirit. Where at? In Christ Jesus. Uh, gathered together with Him in the portals of glory. And if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even though they, even so, them which also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. I want you to look at that verse of Scripture and think about the one that we just read over there in Ephesians chapter 1, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things that are in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. And He says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him, For we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or proceed. That word prevent means proceed. Shall not proceed them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ. There's that phrase. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught together with them in the the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So those that are in Christ are going to rise first. Those that are died, that are in Him, that are chosen in Him, they are going to rise. And those of us which are alive and remain will be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. Uh, I go over and read uh, a couple more verses because I did not get to where another verse, uh, I really didn't get to where I wanted to 
go to this morning, believe it or not. So he says uh, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven, which are on earth, <clears throat> even in him, <clears throat> in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him that worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Our, our inheritance, uh, a lot of people like, like to use the term reward, uh, but I'm going to tell you it's more than just a reward. It's an inheritance because your name is written in the book. Uh, many times we're rewarded here, this side of heaven, for our obedience and serving God. Uh, but our inheritance, my friends, what we're going to get one of these days, uh, uh, and we have the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, the first fruits of that inheritance today. The first fruits are enjoyed right here. Uh, you know, I, I, would li- I would like to think, you know, I really would. I know it's not true. Uh, I would like to think that every Sunday morning you come here and you get excited, fired up, on fire, uh, ready, to, ready to charge out into this whole world. You hear the message and you get excited. excited and not only excited, lifted up spiritually. I would like to think you get Ah, you know, lift it up every every Sunday uh, in that way. Uh, but I know that it's uh, that it's not it's not true. That every Sunday's not the same. Every preaching is not the same. Every service is not the same. But I'm going to tell you whether or not it's uh, it's uh, you get the, get that point here or not. One of these days, he says we're going to have an inheritance, and and whatever whatever the highest moment, if you want to call it that, you've ever achieved here in this old world. Uh, uh, and spiritually speaking, whatever that's just a foretaste and a first fruit of what it's going to be like in heaven one of these days. So he says uh, it, that we've obtained an inheritance. Being, we've obtained the inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So God also trusted in Christ. He was the first one to trust in Christ. Uh, uh, and, it, and that uh, we should be then to the praise of His glory while we live here. So I'm going to give you a little, gl- little glimpse now. So you think about in Him we live and we move and we have our being. Our, our, our greatest desire uh, is the fact that we have been uh, lifted up at Him. We were chosen in Christ. What a great blessing to know that. That before before the before time ever was, God and the uh, Holy Spirit and the Son were together uh, back there, and they chose us to be in Christ Jesus. Uh, uh, that we should be predestinated to, to to be together with Him, and that one of these days we're going to have an inher- inheritance because of Him. And in the meantime. We're to be to the praise of the glory of His grace. So I'm going to turn over real quickly and I'll stop uh, at Colossians chapter 3 uh, as, we, as we do this this, after, this morning. Colossians chapter 3 then says, If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, and not on things on the earth. <clears throat> For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. I won't. We'll we'll look at that. We'll look at that maybe a little bit later. 
to think about uh, you're dead. You know, I heard I heard them. Uh, anybody ever watched the movie Patton? Uh, you know, it's uh, at the very beginning of the movie. <clears throat> one of the things he tells all those guys that are fixing to be going on to shore at Normandy uh, Beach and making that beach landing, he says, "Just go ahead and and, and just accept the fact you're dead." He said. You'll face everything much better if you just recognize you're dead. You're not going home. Uh, just go ahead and accept that fact now, and, and you'll feel better. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you this morning, uh, you can feel better this morning because you're dead. You're dead. I'm dead. You're dead, but your life is hid with God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If that doesn't tell you where your real life is, it's not in this old body. Uh, but it's in it's stored up in Him, and we're going to be with Him one of these days. May God bless you uh, to think about these things. We're going to explore some of this some more about what it means to be in Christ Jesus. May God bless you as our prayer.